Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Athletic. Hello everybody and welcome once again after an inordinate pause in operations to The View from the Lane, the award-winning Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. Joining me, genial host Danny Kelly of The Athletic's Charlie Eccleshare and James Moore. Hello everybody. Um, on today's episode, we'll wrap up the international break involving various Spurs players and we'll talk the January transfer window, which is now, frankly, just around the corner. We'll also bring you part of an exclusive interview um, that Charlie has done with Destiny Adogi. Um, which is available to read right now in full on The Athletic. First of all, a question of the space-time continuum for you both. Do these international breaks, and when we don't do as many podcasts, they seem to last forever and ever. Amen. I, I've, I've lost memory of the last podcast we all did together. Or is it just, just me wanting to do more podcasts? Well, I mean, bear in mind, this is given this is kind of crunch time in Europe for Euro 2024 qualifying, this is meant to be one of those international breaks that we actually enjoyed because it felt like there was a lot of a, a lot on the line. But because of the qualifying structure and the playoffs and the, the Nations League thing that no one really understands, there seems to be so little... Je- like Wales last night is a prime example. Like It felt like it was all on the line for them. And if they didn't beat Turkey, they'd be out. But now they're in... Or probably in a playoff. Are they definitely in the playoff? I mean, who knows? You're right. The, the lack of jeopardy. I mean, we were told as well, Italy against Ukraine, winner takes all. Not quite winner takes all, is it? The winner takes, you know, quite a good prize home. Um, and the loser gets goldfish in a bag of water to, to go to the next qualifiers. Right. Let's talk about the internationals regards Spurs. Um, I was thrilled to see now. I love when a, a statistic may reflect something, may reflect nothing. Emerson Royale, I think, has now made more starts for Brazil than he has for Spurs this season. That's right. He's now Brazil's regular right fullback. Admittedly, lads, in a Brazil team that is absolutely shocking. Mm. Thank you. That's all meaning I can get out of that. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, two players, uh, Giovanni Lo Celso and Christian Romero, remember him, starting for Argentina in an historic 1-0 win over Brazil. I think it's the first time Brazil have ever lost a home match in a World Cup qualifier. Um, Lo Celso started and assisted, albeit, uh, James, um, it was a corner that was headed in by Otamendi. You say that, but I mean, one, we've seen Lo Celso with an absolutely dreadful corner before, famously at Everton. Oh, yeah. And that was Conte's first game, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, and first two, league game, yeah. Two, uh, since Perisic has been injured, we've been moaning about how there's no one that can really put the ball into the penalty area from a dead ball or otherwise. So maybe that's where Lo Celso is going to come into it. Granted, you probably need Richarlison back for that to actually have any merit anyway. But when he is back, maybe that'll be a plus. Eric Dyer. I mean, it is mad international football. We're talking about a you know a fringe player for Spurs, someone who's never, very, very infrequently been anything like a regular, and he's just 
yeah, casually going and starting for the world champions and setting up a goal as they beat Brazil. The thought is that if Messi, while Messi's in the squad, Lacelso starts whenever he's fit. Um, yeah. I don't want to say Messi picks the team. I use the word select. He selects the team <laughs> and, uh, and Lacelso will always play. Lots of um, ins and outs about how fit or otherwise uh, Spurs captain Son is. Um, he went to China where South Korea gave them the Chinese a battering 3 0. Um, he scored twice, made the third, and was man of the match. And according to a person I know who was at the game, looked like the best player on the field by a mile and fit as a flea. So that's good, isn't it? Because they would keep on hearing that he's not quite. I mean, the traveling one done, done, done him any good, but it's good that he played well. Yeah, and I think he took a whack, didn't he, in their first game? And that's why everyone was really worried, which he then kind of reassured everyone after. Um, I mean, generally, I mean, there's a we've got a question, haven't we, about who's going to who's it, who's it from, Danny? It's from Jar Coys and Steelers and Napoli for life at Chef Pazesco. Um, so no hint of a real name in there at all. Um, and his avatar is the Banksy rioter. So that could be, <laughs> I mean, that could be a really important person with a lot of knowledge of football. He, she, or they said. Who do you think will benefit most from their international duty? I think the answer is neither of the people we talked about, but probably Rodrigo Benson Kerr. Yeah, Benson Kerr feels perfect. I mean, we normally bemoan these international breaks and we kind of spend them just crossing our fingers, but this feels perfect. I mean, because it's almost like a he started, he played, I think it was 86 minutes um, in their win over Bolivia. He feels It feels like a kind of Carabao Cup game that you could play him in, give him the minutes before... Uh, potentially starting him in the Premier League. So I think that's one where you're like, thanks very much, Uruguay. You've done us a big favour there. You say that, but I have seen a photo of him playing in their game against Argentina where Christian Romero is kind of looming towards him. <laughs> I don't know what like the next shot on that camera was, whether it was like Benton Kerr holding the other knee or whatever. I mean, it sounds like he came through that okay. If he can come through that, he can come through anything. Though I was thinking about this, how Romero's always held up as the, oh God, our player's going to be up against him in internationals. Um, but thankfully, touch wood anyway, the, the players Romero fouls don't tend to pick up bad injuries. Maybe it's because they're, they just, kicks tend not to be as bad as some other things, I guess. And to be fair, he seems to not discriminate. I mean, bear in mind his red cards was a foul on his international teammates and fellow World Cup winner, wasn't it? Um, so he, he's not, he, he doesn't pick on people. It's anybody That's the worry, though, isn't it? That he's not going to go easy on Benton Kerr. He's just going to absolutely fly into him. I mean, interesting that Benton Kerr at, for Uruguay is being managed by the great Marcelo Bielsa. With my Spurs hat on, I'm not sure whether this is good or bad. Good because he will not be able to play in, in a Uruguay team unless he's prepared to run and run and run and run and run. Hence, Luis Suarez doesn't get into the team anymore. Um, but equally, we know that uh, Mr. Bielsa has a tendency to overrun players and we look at Leeds's injury problems in the second half of all the seasons that he was manager there to, to see that but uh, hopefully Rodrigo Jarcois uh, Steelers and Napoli for life um, hopefully he will be the real recipient and we'll talk about him later as one of the probabilities stroke possibilities for Spurs' midfield against Aston Villa Can I just throw in as well it was quite a good international break for James Madison if you watch the two England games and obviously Bellingham didn't play but there was absolutely minimal creativity from midfield in either game. England looked incredibly flat against Malta and uh, North Macedonia. And you just you think that will only enhance Madison's, as well as Bellamy's, uh, Bellamy, fucking hell. 
Craig Bellamy. Craig Bellamy's got a great chance. Jesus Christ! Don't even edit that out. Just leave it in. Madison, Madison and Bellingham. They'll be. <laughs> they'll be there now. Uh, Siobhan Racker. I hope I've got that right. Uh, Siobhan Racker. How likely are we to get two key players in January, namely a centre-back and a creative midfielder? I think, James, well, first of all, we have to work out Spurs' strategy appeared to be coming into the January transfer window. They were going to look for another forward. Then we had these long-term injuries to Madison and uh, Van der Ven. Um, are they right to change course? And if Siobhan is asking the question... Will they, and should they be as another centre back and a, and, a, and a midfield player, creative midfield player? I mean, I, I think they should have been looking at centre backs, regardless of this injury to Van der Ven. I mean, I suppose how pressing that feels in January will depend where Van der Ven and Madison are with their recovery, because we have really only heard so far in the new year. And if that's first or second week of January, then maybe it doesn't feel as big a deal. But if it's March, then you know they're definitely going to need to sign a centre-back and probably a creative midfield player. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting that forward has gone from probably the top priority and I think that's probably roughly how we saw it at the end of the window to now feeling like kind of third or fourth. If it was up to me, I think I, I would still probably prioritise getting another creative player in. Like so, someone who can play out wide with a bit of creativity and possibly play... Free in the middle, if push comes to shove. I, I just think that that versatility is what you need now, isn't it? It's going to be very difficult to find a centre-back who is going to come to the club and wait to play behind Van der Ven and Romero. I mean, in reality, what you need to do is try and find someone to replace Romero. And I know, you know, we've all kind of calmed down after Chelsea now a little bit. Um, but that still kind of seems a logical way of doing it. Uh, you know, bringing someone to replace, quote unquote, replace Romero to play, you know, to compete. And then if he's better than him, that's great. If he's in and out of the team, then so be it. I, I think that might be a difficult one to do in January. As but you're, well. also, you're also pressing on something else. And Charlie, I want to get onto you about what you know in a few seconds about Spurs' strategy for January. The problem we've got seven or eight, ten games into the new season is that Romero and Van de Ven have looked so good. If you were an up and coming centre half, would you go. Yeah, I don't think I'll go to Spurs and sit on the bench for the next three years because that's what it looks like. But I think what you do, so to answer the first question, reported last month, this was before Van der Ven injury, their priority was getting in another centre-back and another forward, be that someone, you know, predominantly someone who could play through the middle or on the left. But I think what you do, and I said this actually in the same mailbag, what I would do if I was scouting, would you don't sign a, someone who just plays as a centre-back. You, you do the, the Man City model, okay, let's get someone who can play a centre-back but can also play as a full-back or someone we can mould to be able to do that. Like that's increasingly how teams are, are doing that squad building. Um, you have multi-positional players and because otherwise, yeah, you do run the risk of saying to someone, do you want to come and sit behind Romero and Van der Ven? That said, obviously Van der Ven has picked up this injury. You know Romero is going to miss a few games through suspension. Um, obviously, it's different this season, but next season, assuming they're in Europe, there are going to be lots of minutes to go round. But yeah, I think you need to get players who who can play in in as many positions as possible. And I think you'll see that with quite possibly with whoever's brought in as that forward. You know, you want someone who can play through the middle, one of, if not both, of the wide positions. Um, you know, someone like Brennan Johnson, I think, you know, could play on on either wing, could probably play through the middle. I failed to make the point. He actually played up front for Wales in their last fixture, didn't he? There you go. I didn't see the game, so I don't know how successful or otherwise the experiment was. But um, very different from Kiefer Moore up front. 
Yeah. But so, and and I guess, you know, it's possible as well. There are some players who can play as a wide forward or an, or as a more kind of creative midfielder. So it might be that you can get the best of both worlds and bring them in. My You know, I don't think Madison, hopefully anyway, won't be injured too far into January. And I think Spurs, they play United on January the 14th, but then they've actually got a couple of weeks. They don't play again in the league till the 30th of Jan. How, how does this work, Charlie? We've got sort of, it's the FA Cup, is it? The first, third round of the FA Cup early in January. Yeah, so it's it's a really weird. Like there are only two, yeah, only two league games in January for Spurs because I think every team gets a weekend off as a kind of semi winter break, and there are two FA Cup weekends. I could be wrong about this, and it could have already happened, but I think there's a possibility that Brentford game could get moved forward a week. Is it not that thing where half the league are going to play one weekend and half are going to play the other weekend, so everyone gets a week off, but it's not all the same week? No, because that's already happened. So Spurs have the 21st, 22nd weekend off, yeah. From January, in January, Spurs have got a grand total of two league games, yeah? Yeah, which is obviously good news with AFCON and the Asian Cup as well. You brightened up an old man's day there, Charlie. I, I thought, we were, here we come, the January fixture congestion and half the team away on international duty. Thank you very much, Steve, for that. Now, Andrew Charman uh, on Twitter again. Hugo has been seen training in videos with the first team. What's going on with him? Any news, Charlie? What's he doing? I mean, he's been, he's been training with them the whole season. I mean, Postacoglu's been very determined not to have a bomb squad. So, you know, there was never a point where people like him were kind of chucked out to the boondocks. Um, it's such a weird situation because he is just there training away. Apparently, he's, you know, he trains well. He's very focused, very professional and helpful with Vicario. But it is... Um, it's obviously incredibly unusual. You've got the former club captain, World Cup winner, just rocking up and training each day with zero prospect of playing. Although there is a part of me, um, God forbid anything happened to Vicario, could we guarantee with any certainty that Fraser Forster is a better goalkeeper than uh, than Hugo right now? Mm, I mean, Forster was pretty good last season when he played, to be fair to him. I mean, I don't imagine he'd be... F- at especially more comfortable than a Reese in playing out. No, it's just a thought. I just something went through my head when I was looking at the at the question. Um, what about outgoings then? Ten weeks ago, three weeks ago, before the Chelsea game, you said, "Yeah, Lloris, Dyer, Hoiberg, they'll start to gradually drift away from that old guard. They'll all go." Events of the past couple of weeks show that at least two of those are very important squad players. And I know there's a lot of talk um, about about Hoiberg going and Dyer going to. Bayern Munich, goodness. Um, I'm not sure what they could let these players go just now in the current circs. No, I mean, Dyer, the sense is always that he would go at the end of his contract, at the end of the season. Hoybier, I think if, if, as was the case in the summer, if someone actually put up what Spurs consider to be a proper offer and a decent amount of money, then yeah, he, he would be available. And he, you know, we reported, I think it was early as June, that he was open to a move and Spurs were willing to let him go. But you need to have someone who's actually going to come in and properly, and that didn't happen. Is that going to happen in January? I I don't know. I mean, well, this the, this might be a secondary benefit of that kind of rather sparse month in terms of the match schedule because the problem Spurs had at, at the end of August was they were open to selling Hoiberg. They needed to get a replacement, and then the clock ran down and it got to the end of the month. That was when there was interest right at the end of August from Fulham and was there someone else as well? I can't remember now. Atletico were around all summer. There was talk yeah. of United, but I don't think it was ever 
that concrete. But obviously, you know, it, it didn't it didn't happen and, and time ran out. But when you've got like a month with only kind of two games in there, well, two league games in there, it just gives them a bit more wiggle room if they do like want to sell him in the second week and then buy someone at the end. It's it's not going to be too damaging. I know it's a risk, but... Yeah, the problem is though, is like you said, it is the same situation in January with Hoiberg and Celso. If Spurs sell, they'd have to replace... And I just wonder, you know, unless you get a really good offer, is it worth that hassle? Like that's, you, you've already got enough players you want to bring in. Hoiberg and Lo Celso are fine for the, for, for the rest half of the season. But if you find players that are, more, are better suited, and I mean, you, you could say this about Hoiberg probably more than Lo Celso on the basis of having actually seen them play. But if you find players that are better suited to Antibal. Yeah, it's just how big that market is in January. Play, you know, clubs are generally very reluctant to sell their players then so finding someone that is well suited to it like I just think Hoybier the Celso they're, they're fine they're not I don't think they're well certainly not Hoybier as a kind of long-term Postacoglu player but to muddle through for the rest of the season to save yourself you know getting rid of him and then having to find a replacement and and, and also obviously in an ideal world yeah you would sell earlier but we know how these teams operate and it buying clubs as well who Spurs would want to be selling to are probably going to wait a little bit as well. It's in everyone's interest. You know, you kind of want to wait and see how it shakes out, which is really frustrating. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, welcome back to The View from Lane. James Moore is here, Charlie Eckershare is here, and I'm Danny Kelly. Thank you for being with us. Here's a weird coincidence. We were talking about this on a recent podcast. Um, this very week, in fact, the 22nd of November in 2009, Jermaine Defoe scored those famous, infamous five goals against Wigan in that 9-1 win at the lane. Remember, their goal, Wigan's goal, was a handball. It should have been 9-0. Let that go, Danny. Which is a kind of marker for one of the weirder stories that's emerged in the last 48 hours about Spurs. Um, the Times have investigated alleged breaches of agent rules in the transfer involving Spurs and Portsmouth and Jermaine Defoe in January 2008. The FA have said it is prepared to review the case if more information becomes available after previously taking no disciplinary action. This is, of course, 15 years ago. 
what the hell's going on here? Yeah, there's not loads that can be said. I mean, Spurs, as in the piece, aren't commenting on it. The key thing which you read out there is the FA have said they'll look into it if new evidence comes to light. So that's that's the key thing. But why are they even talking about it? I don't know if it's coincidental. I don't imagine it is coincidental, but obviously this comes in the climate of Everton getting points deductions, uh, Manchester City and Chelsea being investigated. So I don't know if that's kind of made people think about this case, um, which, as you said, is historic. I mean, we're going back 15 years. Maybe it was just a vehicle for Paddy Power and other banter accounts to do tweets about Spurs' lack of trophies. And and that and that's ultimately what it comes down to. Who knows? They did. They did win a trophy like two months after this. I know they did, uh, which slightly three, ruins the the Audi Cup tweets. But banter account's going to banter account. If if they do reopen it, they, it Spurs could lose that trophy. But uh, but what but what are we what are we saying that if Defoe hadn't left in January twenty uh, January two thousand and eight, that they would have been less likely to have won the League Cup. That he wouldn't have played in anyway. It's true, actually. They should get some more points for that season. Yeah, exactly. Work out how many how many points his goals, his hypothetical goals would have got. He was back by the next January, so he's only that one calendar year. I would say in comparison, in comparison to some of the other stuff that we're talking about with regards to possible sanctions and points deductions and whatever else, I, I don't think this is my kind of allegiance showing too much. It's relatively small fry, isn't it? Compared to 115 charges, you're saying, yes. Oh, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> I know, I did think that. I was like, if the Premier League, FA or whoever really want to get into this, it does feel like they've got quite a backlog of things to be looking at. You don't imagine it would be the top priority. Now then, um, on to something more concrete, shall we say. And very exciting, actually. Um, Charlie has sat down for an exclusive one-on-one interview with the Spurs left-back Destiny Doggy. Um, you can read the full interview on The Athletic right now. But it's just a small section to whet your appetite for that piece. This is Destiny on what Christian Romero is like in training um, and his new chant. Who's impressed you most in training? Like, what players? Are there, is there anyone who surprised you? You're like, whoa. Yeah, definitely. I think Bissouma. What's so good about him up close? He never loses the ball. Yeah. The confidence, the quality in driving the ball. He impressed me from the first day. Mm. And I think also Sonny, quality player. As a finisher, is so good. Off either foot as well, right? Yeah, really, really top player. And Romero, Christian. Yeah. Great defender, one of the best for sure. Is he as scary in training as he is in matches? Ah, remember, yeah, this guy is really... <laughs> you have no, no mercy. Like, yeah. I, I remember one of my first trainers, I, I was playing inside as a fullback, inverted fullback. Like, I just controlled the ball and from my back, boom! I said, wow. And he even was like, yeah. Welcome. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, he's no, a good guy because the way you train is the way you play. So. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I presume Q didn't say sorry after no, that. No, no. Bang. Never say sorry. <laughs> Impossible. I wanted to ask you, the fans love you. And you know there's this chant that they sing about. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. What they dance with the yeah, doggy. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Every game, I, I it's nice. Does it get in your head? No, but more like in the dressing room, they, they play with this song. 
But it's, it's nice. So what the, some of the players put it yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, really? just, just for fun. So. And everyone sings it. Yeah. <laughs> do, nice. you, do you join in with the singing or are you like that? Yeah, maybe in my mind, you know. <laughs> I really speak it up. But you, you, you let the other ones. Yeah. And I want to ask, is it your hamstring that caused you to pull out of the Italy squad? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. How are you feeling now? Are you okay? No, I'm feeling good, really good. I, uh, I had two weeks to recover. So yeah. I'm feeling really good and I can't wait to play. Ready for the Aston Villa game? Yeah, definitely. Well, obviously, um, it's very important that we get to hear um, one-on-ones with the players. But the most important thing before we get on to the interview, Charlie, I think that's the first time on the podcast we've heard the Charlie fake laugh. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Though I would say more genuine there. He's a very, very engaging interviewee. Um, but yes, anyone who's at the live show will know. Uh, I was talking about the, the hazards of that and listening to yourself back. It's very uncomfortable. Horrible to listen to, but that's the sacrifice I make for this podcast. That all sounded really great. What? How did you find it, Destiny? I thought he was really impressive. I mean, the first thing that strikes you when you see him, he's like six foot two, which obviously for a fullback is pretty unusual. Yeah, he's a big guy. And I think as well, I was speaking to people at the club and they were saying, you know, he... He, it felt like a year ago when he first joined initially, he was a boy. You know, he was um, he would only have been 19 at that point. He was still a teenager and then came back a year on and was, you know, was a man. He, he, he'd arrived and he'd clearly developed a lot in lots of ways as a player in that year. Um, no, I thought it was really good company. He, he talks about in the interview how he's known, you know, he thinks the rest of the players would think of him as funny and generally a pretty lighthearted guy. And he definitely seemed that. And, you know, you do forget how young these guys are. His he doesn't turn twenty one until next week. Um, he yeah, so it was it was really good to talk to him and covered a lot of ground um, about. He's only been you know he only made his debut a few months ago, which seems kind of mad because he's such a integral part of the team already, even at such a young age. So uh, yeah, it was a very enjoyable one to do. Does he love Spurs already? You definitely get that sense. Yeah, he talks about. Um, yeah, he talks about how much he loved the rest of the the rest of the players, um, and obviously with that chant with the fans. Well, it was, it was great, and there's a lot, lot more where that came from. Uh, if you go and if you're a subscriber to Athletic, you get a chance to read it. Um, Charlie's done a very good piece um, with Destiny a doggy, and I hope, uh, and Charlie, you can you can you've seen the whites of his eyes that he'll be playing against Aston Villa. Well, he definitely said so. Yeah, he's uh, he said he can't wait. So yeah, looking forward to that. And boy, do they need him. Takes us on to the, uh, the, the the final thing we need to talk about on this uh, edition of The View from the Lane. Um, and um, I'll, I'll take my cue from the uh, from the producer, who in the uh, running order, I might dignify it with the phrase that the notes he sent me, this question is phrased the following. Who the fuck is going to play in midfield against Villa? <laughs> let's, let's, let's put in the, James, let's put in the certainties. I suppose Saar will start, won't he? Uh, you, yeah, I mean, I can't see any way. Um, that's it, then, isn't it? That's the he's the only certainty, isn't he? I'm literally starting to write the initials down on our little system on my piece of paper here, just to make sure. I would love you to read the little initials and explain what you're thinking, please. Explain your workings. Well, I mean, are we sticking with the same back for? Did he doggy start against Wolves? He did, didn't he? No, suspended. No. Oh God. Yeah. Christ. <laughs> Um, no, no. I don't, does that affect the midfield? I mean, you can pick the whole team. Pick the whole team if you want, there, James. I'm not. I'm not. Not in the business of suppressing you. Come on. A lesser man than me would, you know, would say, "Look, I'm ill. That's why I keep making these blunders on this podcast." But obviously, I rise above that, and I won't mention that. So it's fine. 
How are you? I'm sorry. I'm up. Get well soon, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Vicario, Porro. I mean, I guess it has to be Dyer and Davis still, right? I, I, there's not really any other. Well, since he's not going to play either either of the young centre backs, yeah, yeah that, that seems doesn't true. seem likely. But then with, with your doggy back in the team, you just feel like there's a bit more sort of structure and sort of shape there. I think that was definitely an area. Not really a criticism of Emerson because it hasn't played there very many times, but it did feel like they were exposed there a couple of times. Uh, so I do think that'll make quite a big difference. Yeah, midfield, fine. I mean, do we think now Ventenko has played two international games, he's going to be up to starting in the Premier League? Well, here's the answer, isn't it? If Saar, Saar has to play, he has played internationally as well in the meanwhile, got his first international goal um, during the first of the two games in the African qualifiers. Um, the point is, one of one of Benton, Kerr and Lacelso is going to have to play, aren't they? Let's assume, I suppose, Hoiberg will be the other? Well, I was just trying to, I was just trying to work out whether there's any way you could line up with Saar, Lacelso and Benton, Kerr. But I think you need... You need Hoiberg in the mix to make that work, I think, don't you? You need like him as the kind of ballast to build the rest of it on. Somebody's going to have to hold in that team, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I know... It, 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 I think we kind of reflected on him quite negatively in that game against Wolves. I think a lot of people did. I thought he kind of basically did fine for the most part. It was at the end when it got a bit frantic that he kind of that he seemed a bit kind of overwhelmed. And I think that might be the thing they need to avoid across the team. Um, rather than just around him, I don't really think there's any. I, I just don't. I, the, the idea of playing Saar, Benton Kerr, and the Celso, chucking ben, ben, starting Benton Kerr in a Premier League game for the first time since February, the Celso in a starting a Premier League game for the first time since I mean what? Jose, I mean Jose Mourinho or COVID? I mean what? I don't know when. Presume well, maybe it was that Everton game actually under Conte. It genuinely might be under Mourinho's last Premier League start. That is that is crazy. I mean, I wonder if you can play ben, Benton Kerr as the six. That that would be if you're going to play those three, it would have to be him in the Basuma role. But I do, I do know what James means. That would be. I I worry about how much like stress and strain that puts on the player in his sort of stage of recovery. My feeling is, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, is that it will be Saar and Bent and and and, and Hoiberg, and then the choice will be one of the others playing further forward than than they would normally do uh, as a kind of... I mean, nobody plays 10 anymore. 10 is a position that's almost lost to history, isn't it? But kind of 8-plus. Um, but that's just my feelings. And I, I, because of the, the the seriousness of the injury with Benton Kerr and three games in a week and a load of travelling, I'd probably be inclined to say you'll have to, you'll have to let Lo Celso loose. Though I think Spurs have been very, very cautious with Benton. Super so, cautious. He did interview Charlie in in Uruguay in his yeah. native language, in which he said, "I've been ready for a month." Well, I know, and I've been. That's what everyone at Spurs has been saying, including Postacoglu, that he's been basically begging, you know, really, really, really keen to play. Uh, that's been the hardest thing with his recovery is actually kind of reining him in. But we know from these from these crucial ligament injuries that they get they can, they are dangerous, and you you. You know, you you just got to you've just got to err on the side of caution. It seems to me, and it might not be till next season that we see the best of him. Like that's honestly how long that these the the after effects of this injury can carry on for. So I can see why there's caution, but I do think um, the, the what James said there about Hoybier, but is kind of the key thing for me with him is that when it does get 
stressful and when you've got to do the basuma things of just being incredibly cool as Udogi was saying in our interview you know you can't get the ball off him and I just don't think Hoybier is that player and against a team as good as Villa I mean they're probably going to have to play him so there's no point saying this but I that that would be the worry is that it's fine you know scrapping around and keeping the ball ticking over against Fulham as Hoybier did perfectly fine but Villa are another level up do you want to do a little quiz yeah. Giovanni Lo Celso's last Premier League start, I've looked it up. Any guesses? You need, or, or do you want to guess the manager? Uh, he, I can't. Oh, he must. It, the, the last time I can actually remember him starting was in Project Restart under Mourinho in 2020. Has he started since then in the league? Yeah. He has. He started on October 30th, 2021. So that the United game, yeah, the infamous Nuno's uh, last game. Wow. Nuno, he, he was subbed off, and I don't remember any booze. <laughs> no complaints. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you what you would do, and I'll, I'm happy to throw him. I'll go first if it helps me. Um, although I would say on the on the it can't play like the sumo role here. At the risk of everyone telling me once again I'm a traitor to Ange and on the wrong side of history. All right, if you can't play like Basuma, we might have to alter the way Spurs play slightly. My my choice, not my guess of what, what Ange Postecoglou would do. And of course, it's like Oliver Skip has disappeared in a puff of smoke. It's like it doesn't exist. My I'd play Saar and Hoiberg holding and play the Celso behind the three um, just because I couldn't bear the sight of Benton Kerr going down again. And I don't want to get blamed for that. What about you, James? Who would you start? Well, yeah, so to run through the team that I kind of haphazardly went through before, uh, well, the midfield, I would, yeah, I would play Hoiberg. So given this isn't real, I- I'm kind of comfortable to play Benton Kurt. Like there's no risk here. He's not, <laughs> he's not, he's not actually going to get injured because I say it in this sentence now. So it's fine. No, you've got to think of the consequences of your hypothetical actions. Come on, guy. That's not, that's not how life works. But we can't make a proper assessment. I've not seen him in training every day. You work in an industry based on uh, opinions when you have when you don't know the truth. Come on, I'd play Ben Tinker. I think it'd be all right. I'd probably be fine. Casting vote to Ch- to Charles Eccleshire Esquire. Suddenly, Skip is an intriguing, ah. <laughs> <laughs> an intriguing option. Though Skip under Postecoglou in that first game of the season played. Do you know what? Could you? Mm. The problem is nothing solves the issue of. I really don't want to play Hoybier as the six, but. Skip, I think, would be better in one of those eight roles like he did in the Brentford game. Him and Saar doing a load of running. So you want to play Saar, Skip and Hoiberg? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm I'm now, I'm just saying that that would be an option. But no, I'll I'll go Hoiberg, Lo Celso and Saar. Wow. Is that what you said, Danny? Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, can I then revive? No, I'm joking. It's what any sensible person would say, but... um... Uh, and also, if you're going to pick Benton Kerr, don't hide behind this isn't reality. <laughs> Come on. We, 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 this podcast has to exist as though we're the living heart and soul of what Spurs might do. And what about back four? Are we all, so are we all going Dyer Davis as the centre-backs and Udogi and Porro obviously as the full-backs? Or is anyone going Emerson Royale as the centre-back? I thought, I thought Davis played Davis was great, yeah. very good in that position, you know. I don't think Dyer was bad for the most part in that game. It was only after I mean, the substitutions when a Spurs team that was already slightly under pressure from Wolves 
you know, sometimes substitutions take the pressure off and sometimes they unravel. And it unraveled a little bit, didn't it, in the last 15 minutes. Um, so, uh, no, Davis and Dyer will have to be. Ollie Watkins, do your worst, as they say. Yeah, I think I think the thing is, Villa are an incredibly, a, a very, very good team and they're incredibly well drilled uh, and they play to their strengths, particularly Watkins' strength, which England didn't do in the week. Uh and I think if Spurs do loads and loads of experimental stuff, it will go really badly wrong. And, and I know, like, you know, playing a high line or a moderately high line with Davis and Dyer is a massive risk. But I think playing two fullbacks at centre-back or a midfielder and a centre-back, you know, I just feel all of that, I just feel it's probably just not, I think it's probably just a risk too far. We, kind of need to, we, can, we can take a couple of risks, but let's not take about seven. I mean, Villa, Villa are a weird team in some way. Like they, they're really, really good. But you know, Forest beat them. They're another, they're another team who struggle against like a deep block. Which yeah, it's a shame. Really, What's your it? point? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying. Um, yeah, it's not going to be relevant to the game. Uh, I'm going to re, I'm going to reuse a bit that I did on Totally the other week. But this game is going to be like, uh, like a game of British Bulldog, basically. It's just going to be the two teams are going to be sit on the halfway line, lined up on the halfway line, and the Bulls is going—they're all going to just run all over the place. But I mean, Emery is a manager. You, he can—he has these mad days where it all falls apart, and you know, you just got to hope this could be one of those days for Spurs. And I do—I I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Villa to to know whether they've done. You know, with what twelve games in, it's it's you know fairly standard that there's a team that after 12 games has kind of exceeded expectations and is doing pretty well they're clearly a good team but are they going to be a top four challenging team this season it's still too early to say i think i, I guess yeah you've met you you've got a year's worth of a year's worth of evidence under emery but i still don't think it's a, a given you know it's the kind of team where it might turn and then you think oh yeah no they weren't that good and this could be that game you know what i mean is i don't think spurs should be too fearful of aston villa should be a fascinating one. Um, I'm trying to sound optimistic and upbeat because anything can happen in football and then the ball has not yet been kicked. Thank you both very, very much indeed. And thank you all for listening. Yeah, let me just end by saying I don't need to remind you because you already know because you've heard an extract from it. There's a great piece by Charlie with Destiny Udogi in The Athletic itself. So for your best Spurs coverage anywhere, make sure you sign up to The Astro Athletic. Take advantage of the brilliant offer just now. One pound a month for 12 months. Simply go to theathletic.com forward slash SpursPod to subscribe. The Athletic.